The Everything Sequel Podcast is brought to you by Tua T Fitness and the Vegas Beer Guys. The Everything Sequel Podcast contains explicit language. You have been forewarned. Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast. This is the Dirty Harry edition. Michael Shantz here of the How Dare You Awards. Joining me, the man with the big gun himself, Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. Talk to me, Tom. What are you doing? Taking apart the mailbox. What the hell does it look like? <laughs> I love that scene, by the way. I, it's a, uh, the, whoever that that guy they they cast to be the upstairs gold. neighbor deserves a sitcom of his own. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'd love a sitcom about the building that Dirty Harry lives in in that in, yeah. in Magnum Force. I'd take that as well. Um, that I, I I'd say that like one of the most pleasant surprises of this series for me was how successfully they mined the Harry character for comedy. Yeah. I laughed a lot. That's uh, that's that was actually what I was just about to say in regards to that scene. Yeah. It is comedic gold. Yeah. And even at the beginning of that movie when he just says the line when he's at the airport. <laughs> when he just says the line, "Can I make a suggestion?" You you but, you you immediately realize you are in the hands of somebody that actually understands comedy, which is fascinating because apart from uh, the 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 uh, I don't know what what you would call it the loose couplet, uh-huh. has Clint Eastwood ever done a full on comedy? You know, it's I mean, like the, comedy plays the a pink Cadillacs of the world. That okay. kind of, you know what I mean? It, so he's but... he's sort of he's he's dipped his toe into the world of comedy, right? But but you know, compared to other actors, but you're right. Stars, like it's 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 every which way but loose, and any which yeah. way you can. Yeah, and 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 their status as comedies is arguable. <laughs> um, but I loved that sequel when I was a kid. Oh, me too. Look, I'm not. I, I listen. I'm not starting. I'm not starting off by shitting on the right. the, the loose couplet. I'm just if saying, for, that... if for no reason, then because of Ruth Gordon. Right, but but you know, I feel like if I watch those movies, if when I go and watch those movies again, right, um, that I'd be laughing at them more than with them. Mm-hmm. Throughout these movies, with a few exceptions, I'm laughing with Clint. I'm laughing yes. with the movie. Yeah, and me too. And that is what surprised me continually. Yeah. Um, I mean, to, you know, it was LOL. Yes. Like every 10 minutes. Constant. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> but also, that's not the point of these movies. No, which is right. What makes it hard to rank and declare? Because oh. just because I think they're just because they make me laugh a lot does not yeah. mean they are good movies. 
And the, you know, I, we've talked about <laughs> because this. these are not comedies, <laughs> right? Right, exactly. We've talked about this a thousand times in terms, of, always with the ranking episodes, the ranking and declaring is what do you value, right, in a sequel? And so is you know, are you judging it on the basis of a sequel? Are you judging it just as an independent movie? Yeah. Um, because they're cop movies. Are you judging it yes, on the yeah. villains? That are should you... play a part in your. Yeah. In your are you judging making? it on the villain or villains? Are you judging it on the ending? You know, like there yeah. are so many things that make me go back and forth in yes. my ranking in terms of what do I value and what 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 really spoke to me and what did I like the most? You know. The other. The and other I'm key... not even sure I have the answers yet. Right. No, I don't. Like have, I'm still I... deciding. I, I have answers, but I'm not sure they're the right answers. And right. I think one of the big struggles with this series for me was that they live somewhere between exactly what I expected and nothing like what I expected. <laughs> right. And that's very hard to quantify. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It, you know. Well, I mean, let's start off with what we normally talk about in terms of like i mean we're already talking about the fact that this was we had some difficult decisions to make how difficult was it for you it was it was fairly yeah it was fairly difficult um i'd say i mean yeah this was your suggestion Mm -hmm. and as soon as you mentioned it i jumped at the chance and Part of the reason for that was that I periodically forget these movies exist. Yeah, right. And even now, I couldn't necessarily tell you what each of them is called. Well, and that's the other... So here's the thing that I love and kind of marvel at about this particular series. They all have a different title. Yeah, it's not... And I know them now today. Yeah. But I didn't last week. Right. I couldn't have told you... I I always yeah. remembered the last two. It's but funny the, you should but say that. But the first that because... two sequels, <laughs> yeah. I always thought which one's which and which yeah. one has cops and you know. We... Yeah. <laughs> no. So so for me, I know one of them's got Cagney or Lacey, but I can't remember which one it is. <laughs> you can't even remember whether it's Cagney or Lacey. <laughs> <laughs> or is it Al Waxman? Yeah. Um. So. <laughs> So but that's only... also, sorry to interrupt, but no, that's no, no, also on. one thing I kind of love about this series. Yes. Because you don't see this no, really you with any other series that I can think of where every single sequel has a different title. Right. Even when the, and not subtitle, full when, title. Yeah, exactly. Um, and when it it's was, not uh, Die Harder. When these uh, movies were retitled um, abroad they would often revert to a more kind of familiar sequel title. So I think in France, uh, Magnum Force is called The Return of Inspector Harry, I believe. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, but the, <laughs> the only one the only one of these movies whose title I can retain is The Deadpool because it has a Deadpool in it. Right. Right, there's Magnums and Enforcers and Impacts in all of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's only a Deadpool in Deadpool. There's only one with a sheet of paper, which is hilarious because that is the that is the least Dirty Harry esque of the Dirty Harry movies, yeah. and yet it's the only one I can, the only title I can remember. 
Uh, I always remembered Sudden Impact, too. Uh, well, I'm also speaking of which, I'm amazed at how much of the of the Dirty Harry iconography comes from Sudden Impact specifically. Yeah, like one of the two major catchphrases, set pieces, um, in the, all of film history. I mean, right. it's and that's the second to last, right, <laughs> of the series. And I don't, I can't think of a precedent for that where. So much of the identity of the series is built in the sec in the penultimate movie. <laughs> right, exactly. It's kind of fascinating. <laughs> it is, yes, deeply to me. It's deeply fascinating. But the other reason why you know I jumped at the chance was that, and I think I think we talked about this this off air a little bit off mic, um, not with Mike but off mic. Yes. Um, was that, <laughs> was that. You look at when these movies were made and you think these have got to be formative in terms of the development of the police procedural in film and television. Well, I think. How could they not be? (laughs) I think that's generally true. And I think it actually I think these movies ushered in the action genre that we kind of know of as of today in the sense of this character and. Clint Eastwood's performance of this character, I think, influenced and gave birth to Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Mel Gibson and Wesley Snipes and Bruce Willis. Like, all of those guys, I have to imagine, saw the first Dirty Harry and let that influence their, especially Schwarzenegger. I've heard Schwarzenegger say, I watched Dirty Harry five or six times and I loved this this movie and it was a big influence on me of course he did he's a cold-hearted republican yeah (laughs) i think he might be a little less cold-hearted than clint is himself you did absolutely (laughs) um yeah no i i i and and i've got more to say on that by the way i in terms of the character and what he means politically and this is a this series is a this this oh. series is as good a way as any to chart how conservative thinking on certain social issues has changed over the past thirty years, forty years, or or how it's entrenched. Yeah, I really, yeah. I really think that America's identity with justice and how they view it, yeah, for so much of America is literally wrapped up into this one character. Into this one, into these, into the, you know, the storylines of these movies as well and what they choose to highlight and what they, what they argue about the justice system within them. Exactly. But that is not as straightforward as you might imagine it is. No, I don't think so either. Yeah. From Dirty Harry sequels. There's a couple of these movies which have interesting things to say about the justice system and vigilantism very that go, much that go beyond what you might expect a Clint Eastwood vehicle that is a um, a franchise. That's the thing, though. I think I might disagree with that because I get what you're saying in terms of, uh, you know, there's more there than you would think there would be for a set of sequels, you know, involving Clint Eastwood. Mm-hmm. But. Those ideas, I think, have always interested Clint Eastwood himself, the man. Well, well, let me ask you this then: What are your overall feelings about Clint Eastwood? Because we've never encountered him before on this on the show, right? 
Except except when we were doing Young Guns 2 and I was fantasizing <laughs> that we were really doing Watching Unforgiven. Unforgiven. Yeah. So, so but what are you what are your overall feelings both as actor and director? What would you say? I, that's funny. I'm so I'm so glad you're asking me this question because I had this question for you. Okay, and I will answer Be- that question because as soon again, as you have answered we the question. have not we have not really talked about no. Clint. I have always been a huge Clint Eastwood fan. Great. Uh, what I find most interesting about him is I I I find my I find it difficult to separate what I think of him politically hmm. when you consider the movies he makes. Yeah, you d- you don't need to ask me the question. You've already given my answer. Answer, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, the, well, so I would say so, with, uh, with well, I, I, I mean, I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a fan, but it goes a little bit beyond that. I I mean, I think despite a mixed record as actor and director, right. he is truly one of the great film stars and directors of American cinema. That's what I yes exactly. Um, I agree with that completely. And what you and. The high points of his career are, I think, unmatched mm-hmm. in their field. I mean, Unforgiven being one of them. Unforgiven. I would also add High Plains Drifter and Outlaw sure. Josie Wales to that. Um, as good as anything John Ford or Anthony Mann has produced in the, in the genre, in the Western genre. Absolutely. Um, and when I watch those movies. And I think those move those three movies specifically. I think how the fuck can Clint Eastwood go around thinking the things he does about the world when exactly. he is capable of this kind of contemplation, right? Of of these subjects. You're how can he? How can he come down on, right on, on the, the worst possible side of every argument when he knows <laughs> no. he understands the human mind and psychology, and he understands that there's two sides to every story, right? And he shows that, you know, he shows that artistically. Why can't he show that personally and politically? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's that, con- I mean, that contradiction I am is a fascinating fascinated one. by that question. I am, But it I also am makes it hard fascinated. to keep, keep going back to his movies, especially when they're, like, when they're sort of not up to scratch. Um, mm-hmm. Because you just, you go, oh, okay. It's not very good. Right. And it's made by Clint Eastwood, this man who is... You know, going on stage, shit talking Obama whilst talking to an empty to chair, a chair at the Republican <laughs> National Conference. It's yes. just like you know, uh, it's 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 soul destroying. And then he'll you know, and then he'll right. come out with a with a with an entirely solid movie now and again, and you and it piques your interest, you know, like a Richard Jenkins, and it just piques your interest. Yeah, exactly. I it's so funny you just said that because I as you were talking, I thought about. When you were talking about being able to see two sides of one issue, yeah, that was the first movie that came to my mind was Richard Jewell. Oh, Richard Jewell. What did I say? Richard Jenkins. Oh, did Richard... you say Jenkins? I, I did. You said Richard, Jewell. Richard Jenkins. The the. <laughs> <laughs> the fantastic now now actor. I want the story of Richard Jewell, but played by Richard Jenkins. Yeah. <laughs> Add that to the sitcom about where Dirty Harry lives. Oh, that's great. Uh, so but but. But here's my second question for you. Okay. Which I think I think will sort the wheat from the chaff. Uh, what do you think about the original Dirty Harry? 
I mean, I've always liked the movie. Okay. Um, I'm very ambivalent. So, I'm very ambivalent about the original Dirty Harry. Okay. Like, it's a Don Segal movie, so obviously it's well-made and well-crafted. Right. Clint Eastwood is fantastic in it. He's great Andrew in it. Andrew Robinson as Scorpio is fantastic Wonderful. in it. Wonderful. But this, you know, this movie has zero ambiguity and depth. I would say. Okay, yeah. I, yeah. I... In, at a time in Hollywood cinema where that is the stock in trade of most movies. So it's never really a yeah, movie... Yeah, when you think about it, because that movie is 71, right? 71, you sh- you know, it, it it feels like a relic from a bygone... It feels like your parents' cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that set the, the bar for these sequels. So And you, you know, don't bis- think there's anything to the idea... No, I, you're probably right. I guess I maybe that comes in the sequels. I guess I'm thinking about. That's, the... But that's the thing. Like I'm, I'm thinking. So I've never seen the sequels, any of the sequels before. No kidding, really. No, none of them. Wow. No. Like I say, I periodically forget they exist. Um, and so, going into this, I have both a high and a low bar. Mm-hmm. I've got my love of Clint Eastwood, and every, you know, like I'm sure. always willing to give Clint Eastwood a chance. Yeah. I also don't think much of Dirty Harry, so, you know, I, I say to these sequels, lay it on me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not gonna hold. You know, I'm not gonna hold Dirty Harry as some kind of um, standard you have to match. You can do whatever the no, fuck you want. No, and I think you're right about that in the sense of I've always really liked Dirty Harry, but I think it has more to do with the introduction of this character mm-hmm. in our lives. And when you start a movie. With, not that it's the first frame or anything, but when you start the movie with, now I know what you're thinking. <laughs> Did he fire six shots or only five? And that, you know. We, we Yeah, we have to talk. I mean, that is. You are off to the races at that point. Because because in 1971, and obviously that's not when I saw it, but, you know, when I saw it on video years later, you're going apeshit for that kind of thing. Because it, it oh, was yeah. something no, you've I'm, never seen it before. It definitely has its pleasures, but, you know. I just, I have such a hard time with it politically. Yeah. And I think early 70s cinema can do better. Yeah. It's not like it's made in 1955 when you have but to it, go a but, certain kind of line. Yes. To your point, especially on this rewatch, when I start watching Magnum Force, mm-hmm. or I start watching The Enforcer, these are far more interesting movies. Are you saying both titles Dirty because Harry. you're not quite sure which is which? No, I'm okay. <laughs> Magnum he- Force. Are you hedging your bets? The Enforcer. Yes. They're in order. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but I didn't last week. That's, yeah, absolutely. I uh, I didn't know there was four. I didn't know there was... <laughs> I didn't know there was four. I didn't know what they were called. And I so wasn't I'm sure. Interested I didn't in this. know what was in them. Really? I had no idea what was in them. See, because I, 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 I'd seen them all. Right. No surprise. Um, because what is in them is a surprise. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, they're... I mean, they're, so tell me more about that. Like, well, that you know, that they're, they're, they're uh, sticking to a certain kind of formula, and certain kinds of conventions that have been established in the series. Right. But beyond that, 
it's a f- in terms it's of a content, free-for-all. it's yeah. a free for all. You yeah. can do whatever you want within right. within the frame of a Dirty Harry movie. It seems, sure. and, and I mean, even in even in one movie, even in one movie, you can make it kind of noir and kind of action and yeah. kind of a love story that goes nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> it's it's sort of yeah. I mean, it's it's just a it's a there are they are a fascinating you know to trot out an old favorite a fascinating set of movies, right? Uh, each of which needs to be treated as individual movies as much as they do sequels. Yes. Um, but almost because they do they they decide to do that on their own. We're not yes. completely starting at zero every movie, hmm. but we're well, close. We're close, yeah, yeah. I mean, we we yeah. There is only tenuous Conti- references. Continuity is is something we will. I'm sure we will go back and forth on. Yeah, there because... are tenuous references to previous movies, and like some of it, you don't get until the last movie, where like you're flipping through a reporter's notebook and you see. Hey, dirty! You see a newspaper clipping of dirty, dirty Harry uh, gets gets the Scorpio, that kind of thing. <laughs> right. Although I I I I have a strong sense that they knew that was that was the last of those movies, and it was it was just a sort of kind of testimonial kind of right uh, retrospective kind of. But anyway, we'll talk about that when the, in when when we get there, which will be several weeks for you as a listener. Um, but, but so, so it's, it's, yeah, it's fascinating. And I absolutely agree. I, I, you know, I knew even before watching these movies, they were going to be important in terms of the police procedural and how that's changed over the years. Mm -hmm. I knew that Clint Eastwood's star image, you'd be able to see how that has grown and evolved both as an actor and a director, because he directed one of these movies, Sudden Impact. Um, after Again, I, was... I have interesting things to say about that too. Oh my God! Yes. Boy, does that man love a push in, or does he love a push in? <laughs> There's a lot to be said for safe deck directorial hands. I'll tell yeah. you. Um. Uh. And what you said about action cinema is right on the money. Uh huh. I didn't realize that until after I'd seen the films. How much? How? influential it was in action cinema but you know what really struck me on this on on this viewing mm-hmm. <laughs> first viewing but still <laughs> it struck me is how much the development of the horror film is tied up in these movies wow you think so there's so many slasher elements in these movies yeah and when you see that in magnum force you're watching a pre-halloween pre-texas chainsaw massacre Right movie, and you're seeing the building blocks of the slasher. And by the time we get into the eighties, we've gone full on Hitchcock De Palma. Yeah, we yeah. I I had that feeling, uh, you know. But it's right there from the as bi- watching uh, Deadpool, especially the de- uh, well, yeah, and the Deadpool is a you know is a full on serial killer movie. Right, and I uh, you know. It just seems to me that this series is so important in so many different ways. We've already alluded to the political side of it. I mean, you you when you're watching these movies back to back, you don't need anyone to tell you 
which movies were made during Reagan's presidency, right? You know, right. It's like that is abundantly clear yeah. simply from watching them. Yeah. When when Reagan is president during these this series. Well, and the other thing that was interesting to me was doing this series after having done the Planet of the Apes series because for some reason they're linked in my they were linked in my mind and then I had I didn't realize Not just that, in your mind. But in, like, in re- exactly, in, in reality. In objective reality. <laughs> where we, the director we, of the first sequel directed Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Right. And yet the end of the movie feels like Escape from the Planet of the Apes. It does. And oh. we, we have the cinematographer of Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. Yes. Uh, we also have Bradford Dillman in two movies, star of Escape from the Planet <laughs> of the Apes. It's incredible. Um, there's a lot, there is a lot of crossover here. Now he's the, he's the, he's the scientist in Escape, right? Yes, he is. Yeah. And he plays two different police officers in this series. I literally did not know that until I was looking over my notes last night. Yeah. And I said, why does he have a different name? And I had to like look it up a second time. I had no idea that he was a different person in the third (laughs) <laughs> the issue of legacy and surrogate in this series is more complicated than it's ever been before for us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's definitely tight. You know, those they're definitely. But I, I, I also link them. And I think maybe you're doing this as well subconsciously. I also link them because at, at least, well, there's a there's a crossover in terms of when the early part, you know, the yeah. first two movies crossover with the. And with when they're the, being made when the, when they're being made but if you look at how early in the history of sequels these movies come out right you sort of you have the same feel where you think well maybe this is the first time we've tried this particular gambit mm-hmm. uh i have the same feeling about the first two of, of these movies yeah um, that they are that they are defining and redefining what a sequel is. Yes, because there's not much to go on at this point in his in cinema history. Well, and maybe that's what lends itself. Maybe those first two movies started something because it was so early in the sense of why these movies are they follow kind of a blueprint, but yeah, like you said, the content of them are so vastly different. Vastly different. Yeah. Um, so I think that's fascinating. The other thing that, that kind of struck me while watching these movies, it, again, in relation to Planet of the Apes, I mean, we've, we've talked ad nauseum about uh, Charlton Heston being somewhat embarrassed to have to do right. a Planet of the Apes sequel. And, you know, you, you, move, you, go for, you scan forward a couple more years... You have Clint Eastwood, who whose star image is based on being in series fiction. So he comes through Rawhide, and then he does the Sergio Leone Dollars trilogy. Sure. So this is a guy who actually built his career and stardom on acting in series. Serials, yeah. Right. Something that, you know, even a few years before, a star like Chester, uh, uh, Charlton Heston would um you know would turn Stop his nose at. up at yeah right and that's just fascinating for me it's also fascinating that eastwood never really does a series again unless no, you yeah, count, exactly, count the yeah. loose couplet 
You know, he's even even you know he's making movies that you can definitely see how they connect to each other. Right. But they're not sequel. So you know, I mean, I haven't seen Cry Macho, but I can't imagine it's that different from Gran Torino. You know what I mean? It's that sort of like or from the Mule. Or from the Mule, yeah. or from Honky Tonk Man, <laughs> and yet at the same time, these are all original movies. No, yeah, know? and I have the same kind of idea with the, you know, the middle part of his career where he's still playing cops, <laughs> but he's, or you know, and maybe that would. By the way, that would be a great alternative title for a number of Clint Eastwood films. <laughs> still playing cops. Yeah. Because he's also, you know, I, I just think of the movies like Bloodwork or Tightrope. I have a lot to say about Tightrope. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. no. Be- I, the number of times I, I, the number of times I watch these movies and go, you know, there's another kind of movie where this happens, and I go, oh, it's That's Tightrope. tightrope. <laughs> <laughs> and I bet where he's a cop, that- but he's a bit of a freak. Well. We'll talk specifically. We'll talk specifically about you know that's where those kind of movies where he's willing to address the moral ambiguity yes. of the police here. But I think that's in my mind that's Clint Eastwood finding a way to stay within a genre that he'd been in for a while, but make it different. Yeah, make it at least to him interesting, pushing the envelope in some way somehow. Then, I completely agree. I think that's exactly what it is. Um, sometimes you can push an envelope too far that you've basically mailed it. uh, (laughs) And I think at least one of these movies is guilty of that. (laughs) Oh, I'm so interested now. (laughs) I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to tease and, you know, segue us into the, into into our rankings. And so that leads us to, obviously we need to rank and declare these Four sequels. Still, still, when you say it now, it doesn't add it up. It seems like wrong. It, I've already forgotten there are four of them. Can I ask you one more question before we get there? You may. How is it you'd never seen them? Was there a lack of interest? Was there... Well, I suppose, you know... Were you going in... from Dirty Harry and saying, yeah, we need to uh, see more of that? I think it was part, you know, being underwhelmed by Dirty Harry, thinking, you know... In in my pre everything sequel brain. And when did you see? Dirty well, the sequels Harry? are probably not. You know, the sequels are probably not gonna be any better. Uh huh. When did um, you see Dirty Harry? How old were you? Or I, don't I mean, know, are, like, are we talking teenager? Or? Yeah, teenager. Yeah. Okay. Um. It's interesting because I think part part of my apprehension was something unconscious that we now have made conscious on this on this podcast which was at the end of dirty harry he very clearly resigns <laughs> so knowing that there were four movies right. in which he's still a cop already oh. i've got cognitive dissonance yes and, we, and i've got so much to say about we, the bureaucracy you know that's what i'm that's not subconscious for me anymore i can actually talk about it yeah but i i remember thinking but you also the other thing about these in sequels, the in, you know in the uber text he resigned so everything after this is not real you know it's like it's not it's it's a uh, legend you know well, the other i didn't thing have the I... terminology to come up with it but that's how i felt yeah the other thing that really struck me while watching these sequels for for the purposes of 
for this podcast was how much comedy has been mined from other entities based on this series. Yeah. You know, the television programs that Homer Simpson's watching. McGonagall. Yes, completely. I mean, (laughs) these sequels are McGonagall. Yeah. You know, we talked talked before about, um, you know, in the Terminator movies, you know, when it, when the slippage between Terminator and McBane. Yeah. (laughs) In certain movies. In these sequels, it's the same thing. There are moments when (laughs) when it's pure McGonagall. (laughs) I say my quotable today could have been a McGonagall. Yeah, right. <laughs> so the number of times that this character is busted down and then just put back out on the street is because it happens like three times in each movie. I yeah, mean, it's it's amazing. It's it's really it's really interesting to you know like the how you this is a bigger question for us as well. It's like what what is what's the What's the overall balance of trying to, you know, being faithful to the material, but taking a different approach yeah. to that material? And, you know, the as we'll talk about, these sequels, some are more successful at doing that than others. But there's always there's always a duality there. Mm. Um and in the, I think in the worst of these movies, it reads as a duality. And in the best of these movies, it just feels like all part of the same pie. Okay. Like, I, like you know, I there's, there's a point at which, you know, we have basically parallel storylines. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a bit where you sort of say everything kind of feeds into each other in a tight little screenplay. It's really interesting. Yeah. Because that is that is ultimately the question we'll be grappling with as long as this podcast is going on. It's like, is like what what is the what is the perfect balance of that? Mm-hmm. Because that is got to be the perfect sequel. Well, and there's also along those lines that I I'm fascinated by a few things. Uh, one of the things I'm fascinated with with these sequels is the villains in each villain or villains. Uh huh in each of the sequels and how they're revealed to the audience. Yes. And how strangely they're revealed to the audience and really all of them, but three or, but one. And in that one, the timing of the reveal mm-hmm. is different than all the other movies. And, and by, really, yeah. by that standard, very strange, but they're, you know, they're always trying to like obscure who the person is, but it doesn't matter. Cause you don't fucking know them anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, stuff like that. Again, something you will see in a lot of slashes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's this guy. What, the guy, the the the, the ambulance guy? Right. Or they try <laughs> to obscure them. I don't know who them. that is. Yeah, they try to obscure them, but then you meet them 10 minutes later and you think, oh, so it's them. Yeah. And the to me, the best of these movies is a, is a does a very good job with those very screenplay traits. All right. And so, I ask you, of the Dirty Harry sequels, yeah. which one is at the top of your list? It's a Magnum Force. All right. As far as I remember. 
<laughs> as far as you know. I'm confident. I'm confident that a movie I think is called Magnum Force is the best of is the, the sequels, best of the bunch. Which is the second one, right? Well, the second movie, not the second sequel. The second movie, not the first sequel. Okay. The second movie. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's to me. This this was clear because it had the it 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 was had the strongest concept mm-hmm. as an individual movie, the strongest execution both on and off camera, and I got to say for this series that is a very high standard. Yeah. Uh, to to meet. Um, and as a sequel, you know, I just think this is the most interesting variation on the material it, as yeah. we've been talking about. So, is your is your next movie? Was it a struggle? Was it close to the top, or is this one far and above? And not far and above, no. Okay. Um, but the 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 next movie is more about what I like. Okay. Than what is. Good. good in an objective sense. I think <laughs> yeah. I think it's hard to argue against against uh, Magnum Force being the better overall film, whichever way you kind of cut it. I mean, whether you whether it's the acting, the writing, the directing, the storyline, the performance, you know, it, mm-hmm. the the just the you know the the look of it, the style of it. I just think it it it's definitely it, it's. You have to, you know, you 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 would you're going from top down on this one, whereas yeah. the next movie I have is is kind of floating around the next three, but is elevated by something that I particularly am drawn to. Oh man, I'm very okay, interested but you, now. You have to tell tell me, d- d- don't keep me All in right. anticipation <clears throat> any longer. Well, I really wrestled with my top two, especially when I was talking in terms of villains. In which okay. my top has, I think... You're going to pull a Tom, aren't you? You're going to pull a Tom The most interesting. Uh, the ending of the films, in which I think I actually like my second choice. I, li- I like that ending better than my first choice. But like I, you... I might, I might too, actually. Really? Mm. At the end of the day, I I wrestled back and forth. Uh, I kept going back and forth about partners, about what these movies uh, had to this say is a very, politically. This is a very structuralist approach you've got here. I, I know, like I know. I like, this is this is very this is very Horace Newcomb nineteen seventies well, criticism. I th- like it. That's no, what no, I that's what I really also, like about this, this series, is, this though. You can dismantle each movie. Yeah. You know, it's like I knew a teacher that used to just say, "Give his." the kids a typewriter and say take it apart and then they just rip it apart and now put it back together uh-huh. and I think you could take each of these movies apart just bit by bit and, and you have to look at all the parts that are sitting out and decide which one you like the best yeah but, I think I think you can yeah I think you can Mr. Potato Head it definitely absolutely at the end of the day though I'm almost disappointed to say you and I are on the same page. Okay. No, you I, shouldn't be. But I, I mean, thought, I, you know, I'd love it if we could argue, but I'm on your page in, in the sense of, uh, the you know, the subtext of this movie, the yeah. the, the the conversations that this movie brings up. This oh. is just by far the most interesting movie 
right. of the four sequels. But but here's the thing: you shouldn't be disappointed because have you ever heard anyone talk about Magnum Force? <laughs> you're right about that, actually. Yes, you're right. Is there anyone? Is there anyone talking about how the conversations they have in Magnum Force could tell us something about policing in the world in in our world right. today? Yeah. I mean, no, that's the thing. It's it's the, again, we go back to Planet of the Apes and, and it's like, people just don't know these movies well enough compared to the original. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing when it's, when it's Planet of the Apes and you can go, yeah, that's one of the greatest movies of all time. There's a, <laughs> there's a reason why people are resistant to, to sort of indulging the sequels. Sturdy Harry, it's far from, far from a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. There's room for maneuver here, and that's why these. Well, right, and I work... actually think Magnum Force is better than Dirty Harry. I'd have to go back and watch Dirty Harry, as I will afterwards. But I'm almost certain that's the case. I was really struck. I mean, I, I, this is the sequel I knew the least. Mm-hmm. I'd seen it, but I was shocked that upon watching it. When I finished it, and obviously I'm watching it first, and my first thought was, holy shit, is this the best of all the sequels? Well, hang on, I'll watch the others. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know. It's, it, it, re- it really is, it's, it's, a, it's a real achievement, I'll say that. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a huge it's a it's a cinematic achievement and that I was Especially not, when you consider. I was not expecting Yeah. That. Especially when you consider. <laughs> Uh, how early we are in sequeldom. Yeah, completely. They do something interesting. They do something that's the same, but completely different. Yep. That, you know, this is what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's, it's they're, they're, they're building the language of sequels. Yeah. In real time. And it's fascinating. It really is. Especially because, I mean, other series, they don't choose to follow this blueprint. <laughs> No, they they choose. That's it. It's interesting. It depends what you mean by blueprint. It, it it does, but it's it's less than the blueprint that they follow. There's a certain number of things that have to happen in each movie, but beyond mm-hmm. that, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, that's the feel I yeah. get. Um, as long as you meet, it's criteria. There's like a couple. There's a three or four criteria that you have to meet, and then the rest is open to individual interpretation, mm. which. It's kind of great, great and exciting, yeah. uh, and sometimes it works. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. All right. Well, second movie. Would you like okay. me to go? Yeah, yeah. Let's flip it. Let's do uh, a force on this and flip the logic. Yeah. Go ahead. So the movie that I wrestled with because. Although although I didn't find the sort of the inciting incident of, of this partnership, the beginning of it, uh, was the least interesting part of it. Yeah. But because it grew in the way it did mm. and the way in which they tried to show that within the film. Mm-hmm. And because, again, I really like the ending of this movie, I think more... the the. Magnum Force ending is a bit of a dud. I oh, don't I disagree. I 100% disagree. Well, uh, 
you know... It's just how movies ended in the 70s. I guess, but I, I see David Soul going over the over the edge of a pier, and I, I'm well, like... We'll, I'm, we'll, we'll talk about it. I have a counter-argument, for sure. To that. All right. I'll save it. But but it but, is... It, it is... It's not as striking an ending. I'll give you that. All right. So anyway, this ending, you see the culmination of the development of a single character. You see uh, what that character's able to do uh, for Dirty Harry. Mm. And we're not <laughs> steeped in the 80s yet. So for oh, me, it's... the Enforcer is number two. Okay. Oh. Well, you lost me. I see me. disappointment washing over your face, perhaps. You lost me at partner. Because my, my the next on my list is a movie where there's the, All right. <laughs> there is a choice of partners. It's uh it's sudden <laughs> impact. Okay. And you know you know what? I'm gonna uh, I mean, I'm not gonna say everything I wanna say about it until we get to good or bad, but Almost by, almost completely by virtue of it being directed by Clint Eastwood. Mm. Is this, this just, it, his authorship elevates this movie to a different standard of filmmaking. Um, which is not to say that it doesn't have flabby, sweaty aspects to it. It really does. It does. That's why it's below for me. But there yeah, are yeah. things in the, in that movie that are so iconic. Yeah. That stand out so much in my memory mm -hmm. that I think are so uh amazing. I just think I just think the handle it's it's to me it's it's I see I know exactly what you're saying and there's a hundred things you could throw at my face most of them to do with farting bulldogs that yeah. that would that right. would that would put it lower down the list but the handle <laughs> Clint Eastwood has on this material I think is superlative I really do and I you know that is because I'm an Eastwood fanboy right um so that's more about and I me. don't think you're wrong but I really but I but... think you know if 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 like it's like how are we looking at these? It's like that is that is, that's a better film because it's a better directed film. I'm pulling, you know, I'm pulling that reasoning for the for for putting it second. But yeah, but there are there are aspects of it that like you you I think you hit it on the on the head pretty well that are flabby, right? And but I forgive them because I think I think the overall vision of what they're doing in that movie is really. Uh, really successful to me. I guess I've always I I really like Sudden Impact, and I always have. Yeah. Um. I think, I think in my mind I have the 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 ways in which I think less of it have. It's not fair to anybody. To anybody, it's not fair because she's very good in the movie. But oh, you don't I always, like Sandra Locke. I always think of that movie as the flailing gasp of the last part of their relationship. Well, right. I mean, because it's know, the last in like six or seven movies of them together. It's very, it's very easy to see how their marriage fell apart. Yes, because she looks and sounds like like Clint Eastwood. 
which right. you yes. imagine he's going to have problems with from an ego point from from an ego right. point of view and she's such a credible psychopath yeah that how would you how would you leave that film thinking i i i'm not i'm going to break up with this person well and the <laughs> the other part of it for me is i i just there are at least two scenes in that movie where i think she turned to him directly and said this is how we're going to shoot it and this is my oscar moment so don't you fuck it up Right. Hmm. I mean, it's it's interesting. So so is that third on your list? Can we it is. can we yeah. take that for red? Okay. Well, third on my list is the Enforcer. Okay. Um, and so we're just if, flipping if you, the middle. If you are if you are to, I, I mean if you are if you're doing a straight comparison of um, uh, Tyne Daly and and Sandra Locke in terms of lead female performances, you know the the Enforcer wins hands down. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but I don't think that's a controversial statement. Um, but it, it's it's third it's um, third on my list, and like you, I, I I struggled. It wasn't clear that it that it wouldn't be second, because I really I just I just appreciate the the comedy in this movie. Yeah, and at the level and the script at the level of dialogue is pretty much unbeatable throughout this <laughs> I entire know. series. Um, and yeah, I just I think it comes down to the what other thing they... about sudden impact, though, is it kind of bucks the the trend, oh. the the blueprint. And so there's part of me that really likes that, and part of me that thinks. Well, give that guy a partner, goddammit. <laughs> and not a bulldog. Well, he has his choice of partners. <laughs> Human and animal. Yeah. Um. But in the end, I think with The Enforcer, it comes down to run... Like, what do these movies do with their runtime? Right. How, and... and I'll, yeah, you're right. Because it's funny, I, I it's feel, funny I feel because like we got... A, Two two-hour like movies and two 90-minute yeah. movies. Right. This is one of the 90-minute movies, and it feels about a third longer than Magnum Force, and that's a problem. <laughs> um, I, 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 see, I don't have that. Okay. But, uh, but, but I, think, I think there's a lot of... Basically, I think, I think there's a lot of missed opportunities here. I'll talk more about that when we, when we talk good okay. or bad. But, um, I mean, it's... It's hard because it's, in a way, the most entertaining of the bunch. That's what I'm saying. That's why in, it's so close spots, to my top. In spots, though, but it's it's definitely not as good as Magnum Force. And Let me put it this way. To me, to me, it's a less interesting movie than... It is, than and, that's why, and that's why it couldn't raise to the level... No, the than gen, The gender well. politics of the Enforcer are not as interesting as what Magnum Force has to say about the law and Dirty Harry's role within the law. Right. That's a more interesting thing. No, but I'm talking about Sudden Impact. I don't think it's as interesting a movie as Sudden Impact in terms of what they choose to do with with the material. Even You're though, right about that. Even though it's it's... It's just, yeah. We'll, That's we'll the talk... one thing about Sudden Impact it's that so... I really latched onto and that I, I really so like. The Enforcer. I, I, 
it made me so happy <laughs> in so many different ways. But, but the I other don't thing, feel, I, think... I don't feel like it's doing the best job it can with the material. All right. I think the biggest thing that the Enforcer suffers from are the villains. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. You know? That's the real hodgepodge. Of... And that's where Sudden Impact... Honestly, is it like that? That is great about Sudden Impact. Well, in in a sense, Sudden Impact is a remake of Magnum Force, at least with regards to vigilantism. Right, and that's also why I responded to but it. But the other thing that I count against it is it all it it means so it mean everything that Harry does not everything but everything that Harry chooses to do at the end of this movie negates everything from Magnum Force. Which I don't like. Well, you know, if Hal Holbrook was a better looking woman. And that's what I mean. You know? If Hal Holbrook was a woman but, and more attractive, then Harry would have a different yeah. take on So there on are all the... these contradictions within Sudden Impact, but I also wonder, hang on, I also wonder, does everything that's happened to Harry Callahan inform that? Yeah. And that might be a possibility. I'm not sure. Anyway, you were going to say. No. <laughs> Fine. You said it all. I, no, I was just I was just interrupting you for the, the pleasure of, of seeing oh, you get agitated. For... <laughs> <laughs> I had no actual substance. Come on. So, But, you know, this is, again, it's a very... That's what makes this process hard is like I have to dis decide between two different kinds of enjoyment. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. It, you know, it's like I think. I liked the arc of the Enforcer more. Specifically, uh, see, I don't I, I, I think it's a I, I think it's a flat line. Well, I'm speaking specifically in terms of one character. Okay. If it's the same character we're thinking about, I think that is one of the biggest missed opportunities. But okay, we'll we'll, right. we'll talk we'll talk about that. So obviously, the Deadpool's at the end of both of our lists. <laughs> but 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 tell me why specifically? I'm interested to see whether it's at the bottom of the list for the same reasons I put at the bottom of the list. Well, I or is it or is it just at the bottom of the list because something has to go there? Almost, yeah. Yeah, it's. You know, I really love the ending of The Enforcer so much so that it almost put it to the top of my list. Mm. But almost is the ending of this I'm, movie put it to the yeah, bottom of this. List. Perhaps I'm saying that uh, just for effect, because Magnum Force, you know, is fairly clearly to me at the top. Um. But there are things about the Enforcer that I really, really love. I agree. And and as I'm as I'm sitting here talking about it, I'm realizing the things that I love about Sudden Impact, I really love. Yeah, agreed. And so what might be tr the truest might be that those two movies could interchange. Uh, yeah. You know that Sudden Impact because uh, Sudden Impact, God damn it, too. It, it's so iconic. There's so much iconography from sudden impact that is still with us today 
Oh, my God, yes. Uh, and so the Deadpool was <laughs> never in the conversation for me. Yeah, yeah. It, it I, never I, I raises to the I, level. That's where I am. Um, I, 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 I feel justified doing it for exactly that reason, that it, it just never crossed my mind that it would... <laughs> right. That it would... That I would be choosing between... That I would add it to the list of movies I was choosing between. Mm-hmm. But also, I think... At least in terms of ranking, I might have more to say on it as an individual movie, but at least in terms of ranking, as a Dirty Harry movie, it's kind of laughable. Right. It's a laughable excuse for a Dirty Harry movie, and I think, in the end, that's kind of really all you need where it, where it comes to ranking. <laughs> but that doesn't... Yeah, well, I'll, I'll stop myself, but I'll say that doesn't mean that there aren't things i appreciate it doesn't have it's not that it doesn't have its pleasures right uh but that those pleasures are not the pleasures of a so and the other thing too the first two movies especially the first two and the other thing that raises the first two movies above sudden impact for me i like the laughs more uh the humor in in those two movies to me is better than sudden impact sudden impact is just meathead and the farting dog, and oh, that's almost it for for laughs. Everything it's it's you know. Uh, excuse me, the retire bus from the retirement home with all the senior oh, citizens you're cheering. Right. Him you're on right. In the I car forgot case. about that. <laughs> but to me, that and all I that shows say, all that say, shows is how it. reckless think... Harry Callahan has become. But that East Eastwood, that is something Eastwood's doing that you know that. That a lot of star aging stars wouldn't do, which is drawing attention to the fact that they're getting older. Yes. Anyway, carry on. We'll talk about that at the time. But that's why Clint he Eastwood... gave the, he gave those old people something to live for. <laughs> Give them hell, that guy said. Oh my god. Well, it's just like it's just brilliant because you you're sort of like you sort of like yeah, of course those of course old people live have the same feelings and views as Clint Eastwood. Even as a young man, so of course they're going to be cheering him on in, mur- in murdering a criminal suspect. The, the suspension of <laughs> of disbelief. Suspension. Because well, that's I don't the know. moment where Harry Callahan loses his goddamn job forever. You're off the force, sir. Yes, but you have to suspend a lead throughout this entire series because. Yeah. And I don't want to keep saying this. He resigned at the end of Dirty <laughs> Harry. None of these films exist in canon. <laughs> oh, that's good. At any um, rate. Yeah. Deadpool. Talk- Deadpool. Yeah. Not very funny. You know. And, it- and yet. And yet very comic. Right. So what I was just about to say was the other movies you're laughing with, Deadpool, you're kind of laughing at. Yeah. There's no other way to. I don't think there's any other way to say it. I think you're. Yeah. I think you're right. Um, and that is the movie I think that it's just hard to take seriously. It's almost so bad it's good at points. Yes. Right. Um, but I kept saying to myself, it's not that enough throughout. No. 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 To say it's so bad, it's good. No. Um, but, you know, when you have a Hot Wheels chase. (laughs) 
Mike, I don't know what to do with that sequence. That's I re- fucking I really amazing. That's the, mo- that's the most challenging <laughs> sequence I think we've ever had. In terms of in terms of mixed feelings. Yeah. Um, I'm starting to feel that good bad might be easy at this point. Maybe I don't know. Let's find out. All right. You want to start? I think we're both going to say Magnum Force is a good movie, of course, yes? I remember, so, when the uh, when the title sequence um, was rolling, I looked at the, na- the names of the people involved in the movie, mm-hmm. the actors, the writers, the director, the composer, I thought, okay, it's up to this movie now not to fuck this up. Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you cannot make a movie that is at least good with this personnel, right, you have fucked up royally. Yeah, and when I left the movie, you I are felt, a fuck up. I felt exactly the same thing, except what I wasn't prepared for, and was just so impressed by, was that this was a sequel that was able to flip the logic of the original movie on its head completely. And that's all Clint Eastwood, from what I understand. Like, he wanted to do that. I didn't know that. I assumed yeah. it was Chimino or Milius who pushed that agenda. No, there are a lot of things that Milius doesn't like about... I, in fact, I want to say that he... Well, he's pretty reactionary. ...hates this movie. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, I, fully, be, I fully believe that... that I fully believe that Eastwood would push that, if only for the sake of doing something different and interesting, because it really mm-hmm. is. Uh, but that's a, I mean, that's a, we talk about big swings on this podcast. That's a big swing. You essentially mm-hmm. make your hero more like the villain than the victim, you know, than the victim. Right. That's extraordinary, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you basically you challenge the you 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 challenge the ethos of the original movie. Right. Yes. Exactly. This this movie is a riposte to yes. what Dirty Harry says about police brutality. Yeah. Anyway, we'll talk about that more. I mean, no we'll doubt. get into it. But we both agree it's good, and I, yeah. I take it you do as well. Yeah. Of course. Uh, and then, so next in the series is The Enforcer. Because it's second on my list, I, I'm saying it's a good movie. Mm. Where are you? I wish you didn't like it as much as you did. Tom, there's <sighs> no way you can't say it's good enough to be good. Come on. There is. <sighs> Listen. You're really that on the fence? I am. I am. I'll t- and I'll tell you for why. So... Okay, pro, pro this movie, Clint Eastwood, great performance. And I mean great performance, I, I just mean, I just mean, I don't talk about great Harry performance, great performance. Right. Tyne Daly is as good. They play off each other incredibly well. All right. And not only that, all the supporting performances are magnificent. Yes. Even the one scene characters. That fucking hippie priest <laughs> yes. is amazing. 
I think that I priest... want spin-offs for every single character yeah. in this. The I... mayor is incredible. Yeah. I've never I mean this is like this is like taking a Pelham 123 mayor plus as right. far as I'm concerned. Well, and to your point, that priest, I was so mesmerized by that priest. I went back to IMDb yeah. trying to look him up to see what else he'd been in. He doesn't even have a picture. I was so upset. I know, I know. It's like this guy, this this, this guy's fucking amazing. Bradford Dillman is brilliant, absolutely mm-hmm. brilliant. But you know, it re we are. I mean, we're going so backwards politically, like so backwards. Yeah. Especially after Magnum Force. We've reset beyond the original Dirty Harry in terms of how offensive this movie is. So that's a that's a huge that's a huge grievance. But what what really makes me think this is not a good movie is that it's really languid and it has no excuse to be languid. Mm. It's half an hour shorter than both Magnum Force and Sudden Impact. It, like I said, it feels like a third longer. There's no forward plot momentum at all. They've the plot is basically they have looked at the screenwriters have looked at San, a map of San Francisco and goes, how can we invent a plot that connects up all these locations? Yeah, well, and it really, really suffers for that. There are moments in it when I am completely bored out of my mind. In a ninety-minute movie, that movie does not work. And if this was oh, a com- see, I, no, I'm listen, never listen, bored, listen, and it, it doesn't listen. last long for me. Is if this was a if this was a comedy with procedural elements, I would say it's a good movie. But it's not. It's a procedural where comedy that's the other is thing in though it is it bonus. feels more procedural than the other movies. But there's nothing. But there's nothing linked. There's there's nothing. I think a good procedural plot has to sort of have some kind of forward momentum, and this doesn't. The plot just sits. It just go. It's it's just a, it's just a line between dots. The whole movie. Well, how I do can't... we get to? And how do we? It's like how do we get to Alcatraz? Is the movie. Right. Right. How? What's the? What's the most quote interesting way we can? But once you get, get to... to Alcatraz, Tom. I know I don't. I'm not. I don't have. I'm. I'm not. I'm not impressed by that at all. Oh, I love it. And there's a huge missed opportunity here to do something progressive with with feminism, and the movie is the movie raises it and then shoot literally shoots it down in a way that I find monstrous. I, I disagree. Okay. I think this it, is not a good movie for women. Despite the fact that Tyne Daly is doing her best to write The rise gender above politics it. of this movie I find really really interesting. No. And... It, it's all on paper. The spirit of this movie is misogynistic. It really is. Don't you think that a woman who is a police officer this particular woman finds the right to grow within her job, become great at her job, and she sacrifices herself to Mm, save Harry. She is sacrificed. (laughs) Because this ideal cannot exist. As soon as she gets good at her job, she's killed. This movie is repressive. 
ultimately. Anyway, I will have a big conversation because we're about yeah. I mean, well, let's argue but, about it later. Listen, and and you know, I'm just grateful that Tyne Daly was able to you know do genuine feminist police drama. Yeah, in Cagney and Lacey in because... 1973. Though, come on, there there are aspects of it in this movie. You yeah, but mm, no, she is. She is treated as a second-class citizen by the screenplay as well as the characters in the movie. Everything she does is comicalized until it's not, and then she dies. I just don't find that acceptable, even for a 1975, uh, four movie? Four, five? 73. No, how can it be 73? When is Magnum Force? Oh, sorry, yeah, you're right. No, it's 76. I was thinking... Oh, I got the titles. God damn it. <laughs> so Magnum Force is 73. Enforcer is 76. They want to play lip service to 83 women's rights. 83 and then 88. They just want to play lip service to women's rights. I uh, because Here's the other thing, though, Tom. Because it's Clint Eastwood, I don't think that's true. Now, I, we can argue back and forth about the end of this movie because I disagree with you. Okay. I think... No, I, I don't even want to talk, start talking about it. We'll, we'll how talk is it about an arc if she dies? She's not allowed to... It, that's the movie saying what she represents is impossible. I don't think so. Okay. I think what she... Because her job is a police officer, and police officers do dangerous shit. So she has... But reached... Harry's fine. Harry can fucking fall in the ocean, and he's fine. Yeah, but Harry only gets to live in that movie because of Tyne Daly. I think that's a very liberal... I mean, she's going to die anyway, because she die or get injured because she's his partner. Right. But but you could you could choose to invert that. I mean, we don't have to do that for every, any movie. That's a choice. She could get injured. She could be, could be one of the movies where the partner gets injured. And then, when, then it wouldn't feel so much like a... a a damning, a, you know, a damning statement for a woman who I wants think to get they, involved I in think police they were, work. I, no. I, this I, movie is... I don't think it's as women. sinister as you're saying, and no, I don't think it hates women. women. This movie hates women. Although... It hates whole, to have to deal with women. Everything that happens... It acknowledges it has to deal with women, but it hates women. I really think that. I was appalled, actually. You might be right about everything that happens <laughs> before that. There's lots of honeys and sugars and all of that does not did not sit well with me. But may, maybe no, uh, maybe... the casual the casual stuff I think is justifiable because that feels realistic. It's the screenplay choices that they that they make the representational choices. It's what Time Daily has to do and what they don't let her do. That makes this a huge missed opportunity. <laughs> no one's mean. asking a fucking dirty Harry movie to deal with feminism. I know who is out there going. We got to make a movie where it deals with like no like. I think Clint Eastwood. Was... Well, yeah, but but they they don't have the tools to deal with it within the frame of this movie, or they're not willing to to think around the formula. In a way that, listen, I would have less of a problem with this if Magnum Force didn't, wasn't able to just go, tell you what, fuck what the first film said, right. we're going to say something totally different. 
That's what this should have been, and it's a damp squib compared to that. I think it's more interesting than okay. you do. But I tell you I tell you what, I'm still on the fence because I laughed so much. I was so entertained. I think I think the performances in this movie are, are oh, that's right. about so, as good as it gets. Off this in the entire series. conversation. No, I think what the the, the what they what they achieve Are you saying they, bad movie? I'm saying bad movie and narrowly right. but just because I think, you know, the where the movie's priority should be is where it fails most. Not for me. Okay, that's fine. Good movie. And Sudden Impact. Good fucking movie. Very good. <laughs> Very Yeah, I had no... And yeah, it's a, it's a good... So for me, it's a good psychological thriller. It's a really well-crafted yeah. psychological thriller. Where I'm... Where I might be more hesitant to say it's a good movie is on the sort of Dirty Harry police procedural side. That's what I mean. That's why it yeah. fell below for me. The, my response to that is mixed. I genuinely think there are one or two scenes that are that are as good as they could be, totally iconic. And then there's two or three sequences which are a letdown, mm. which feel almost like a parody of themselves. In a in a with and that starts a disturbing trend into the next movie, <laughs> where pretty much every action sequence is a parody of itself. Yeah, yeah. Um, well. <laughs> No, I I, like, I keep finding myself wanting to say things that I should save. Uh, so I'll save it. <laughs> All right. So we both think Sudden Impact is a good movie. Mm-hmm. That leaves us with the Deadpool. The Deadpool, which is not the superhero movie Deadpool. Right. Nor the... But... but the, nor, nor the detective film Drowning Pool, which the, I started watching... Thinking it was the Deadpool. Because <laughs> I saw it was leaving HBO Max. So I jumped. Boy, was I surprised when Paul Newman turned up. That's great. It, It's also, by the way, a sequel. It's a sequel. It's also you want to know it's something that's funny? Well, something, something to add to that. I have the book on my shelf. Oh, uh, wow. And Ross McDonald is one of my favorite writers, and I still didn't know. <laughs> so carry on. Well, I started watching it myself just because I I saw it was leaving HBO, and I was like, I want to watch that movie. Yeah. And then I watched the whole thing and realized, fuck, that's a sequel too. Yeah. <laughs> but I had I had never seen it. Yeah. All right, friend. Deadpool. Oh, by the way, the the writer of the comic Deadpool, he took that name from this movie. What? Yeah. All I'm going to say in to sort of balance things out a little bit, this is a perfectly watchable movie. I think so too. I think this is this has the makings of a decent late 80s serial killer thriller. Not they don't choose Harry. to do that. but They don't choose to do that. They don't choose to go down that road. I think it really suffers from being a Dirty Harry movie at all. Right. right. If any one of these movies was going to completely cut loose and just be an original, it should be this one. Right. Because the Dirty Harry conventions add nothing to the mix. Mm-hmm. And it's literally like you're watching two films in parallel. <laughs> yeah. So it, it just... Bad movie? 
I think it is ultimately a bad movie, bad but watchable. Yeah, I think so too. I would not turn this off if it came on TV. No. That's, I'd stick with it. <laughs> I was about to use a very old, very dated, <laughs> very dated form of watching TV. Uh, like in Britain, typically a movie like this would start at about 9 p.m. and then it'd be interrupted by the 10 o'clock news and then it'd go back to the movie. <laughs> so I'd definitely watch it until the news. And not go back. Probably not. All right. Where else are you going to see Liam Neeson in a ponytail? Right. World's weakest ponytail. World's weakest British accent. <laughs> I was wondering what you'd have to say about Holy that. Holy moly. <laughs> Love. <laughs> All right, so. I'm in order now that I think about it. Yes, you are. Two, three, four, five. And I am two, four, three, five. There you have it. And we're saying, well, I'm saying three of these movies are good and only Deadpool is bad. You're saying that the Enforcer is bad as well. Yeah, too, too good, too bad. All right. My top two are good, my bottom two are bad. What but... do you think, ladies and gentlemen? Do you agree or disagree? You're going to have to weigh in. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Send us an email to everythingsequel at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts. What are your rankings? Are these movies good or bad? Let us know and then go ahead and rate and review us. We got to climb the charts, Tom. Mm -hmm. All right. That's it. When you hear us next time, we're going to be talking about Magnum Force, the 1973 film. For Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions, Michael Schantz here of the How Dare You Awards. Say goodbye, Tom. Well, opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. I gotta tell you, when I heard that line, I thought, was that the first time that was said? I thought the same thing! Did Dirty I had Harry to look come it, I looked it that? up in the Urban Dictionary, and <laughs> I was no clearer that it wasn't the first time. Wow. Um, also... I think if <laughs> also I think that's the perfect end to a podcast where we've argued about <laughs> the merits of feminism in the enforcer. <laughs> that's great. All right, that's it. That's it everyone. <laughs> Until next time. Bye-bye. Does the coronavirus have you feeling oogie? Have you been sitting on your couch for weeks? Nay, have you been sitting on there for months? Well, it's time for you to get back in shape. Check out 2 a T Fitness. You can find them on Instagram. You can find them on Facebook. 2 a T Fitness was started by Tina Bernard. She is ready and raring to go to help you get back into the shape you want to get into. They've got all kinds of classes. They've got outdoor in-person classes. They've got online classes if that's what you prefer. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get back in shape. You're going to find a variety of exercises. You're going to have strength training, cardio, weightlifting, even fun five-minute burnouts that will push you to your limits. So get off the couch, get into shape. 
Go ahead and check out Tua T Fitness. Tina Bernard has got you for all your needs. I know her personally. She's fantastic. You're not going to meet a better person to help you become the new you. Check it out. If you like podcasts like I do, boy, do I have a treat for you. You need to stay on target and check out the Sounds and Cinema podcast. Listen as your host, sound designer and music creator, Tony Parham, and co-host, musical performer and sound lover, Derek Hansen, D-Rock if you're nasty, and I am, discuss all things sound related to film, television, stage, and theatrical productions. They discuss environmental sounds, bioacoustics, dialogue, the nature of communication through sound, but as an added bonus, they drink beer and try to... Stay on target! Find them wherever you get your podcasts and listen to the pure mania of a man who can charitably be described as Doug, the dog from Up, and another man with a soothing and sultry voice trying to get that man to... Stay on target! That's the Sounds and Cinema Podcast. Tune in and listen to the sounds they are creating just for you.